Wow, everybody. Hi, nice to see you. We're back with Reprogram. Man, I love these days. We do a bunch of different podcasts now. I know it is the Dean Blundell Show, but anytime you get like one of the most legendary broadcasters to join your network, and anytime that one of the most legendary broadcasters agrees to lower himself to your level to do your podcast with you, it's always a good day. Please welcome uh, to Reprogrammed myself. And of course, you are so humble, and I am not. <laughs> I'm Charles Adler. Charles Adler. My name is Dean Blundell. Nice to see everybody today, dude. You look so coiffed today. You've got that like you've you've done some work around the beard. Like I don't know if it, I don't know if I'm taking notes from you or you're taking beard notes from me at this point. No, it's uh, it's it's Kevin. Uh, my uh, my stylist is Kevin. He's been my stylist for uh, 25 years. I'm like, yeah, God, he knows me better than I know myself, and uh, I trust him. Yeah, and uh, he um, he takes takes good care of me. Takes good care of your face. Kevin takes yeah. good care of your face. You look great, dude. Thank you look you. awesome. You look, uh, you got color in your face. And, and, and I, listen, I, I hate, uh, I hate, I hate bringing up great news here, All but right. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're into jazzercise. Maybe you've got some, some like, um, Richard Simmons tapes at home. Maybe you're doing some like, uh, yoga with Tim on YouTube, but you look great. You look real Thank good. You. I've lost a, I've lost a little weight. Uh, it's the, uh, no appetite uh, diet. Lost my appetite uh, for a lot of crap uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, yeah. so I'm eating. Um, it's the eating uh, less crap uh, diet. The eating less crap diet. You write yeah, yeah. Uh, fewer it. fewer chips, uh, chocolates, uh, ice cream. You know, that's my uh, my poison. I broke my uh, habit on the Super Bowl because I allow myself uh, during Super Bowl to eat a lot of crap. Yeah, and uh, didn't even taste it very good. Uh, I stopped eating it. I threw it out. You know, I had brownies. I had uh, oh, ice cream. I had uh, chips. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wanted my my favorite stuff because I I don't have any of that anymore. And, and it didn't taste. It's just like um, it's like booze. I mean, uh, you know, uh, when you're totally off booze, and, uh -huh. and you think one day or a couple of days, you know, you might want to just uh, go on a bit of a bender and it'd be fun again. And, and you try, and and it's not. It's not doing what it once did for you. Uh, booze is a little more serious than ice cream and chocolates, but um, no. So anyway, uh, I just don't. I've, I've lost my app. I, I don't eat very much bread. Bread's usually a trigger for a lot of foods. I eat very, very little bread now, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so I'm. Uh, I've lost some weight, and uh, I'd like to lose another, you know, fifty or sixty pounds. Yeah, me too. I think we all would. Uh, but I'm telling you, you look awesome. And it's weird, right? Like when you decide to turn the corner with food, because I don't know about you, but when I was going through the pandemic, we got lots of stuff to get to, by the way. Sure. We got some Navalny news. We got Tucker Carlson news. We got some Pierre Polyev news. Yeah. We've got some ecosystem stuff to take care of. We've got Canada to take care of. But before we get there, yeah. uh, when the pandemic started, I literally was like I said to myself, ah, screw it. And there were nights during the pandemic where I was like, I was one of those dudes that was like, after dinner, big dinner, big bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Always, always vanilla. I might stick a couple of Snickers in there and I might load it up with some caramel and I might put some extra chocolate chips yeah. in there just to throw caution to the wind. And I remember thinking to myself, I woke up one morning and had this headache and I'm like, I'm like, I don't drink. Why do I am hungover? So I go to the doctor and he's like, oh yeah, you're giving yourself a sugar hangover. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's like every I've had them. I, I, know, I, I know what it's like, you know, you're, yeah. you're not sleeping well and, uh, yeah. and you feel hungover and you're saying to yourself, you know, like, okay, so if I was paying the price because of too much scotch or, or martinis or, sure. or whatever, that'd be fine. But I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering because of Snickers. It's not just, uh, <laughs> this, this is stupid. This is just stupid. 
<laughs> yeah, I've never had a Snickers hangover until the pandemic yeah. started. And I was like, yeah. hey, listen, I don't care what happens in the next. I, we're apparently going to be in our house for three years. I might as well just color sure. the wheel of food for the next little bit. And that's exactly what I did. But there was a, there were these moments. I don't know if you're like me, but there, I am that guy. Moments of shame where you wake up in the morning. I was that guy that would wake up in the morning and I go in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, I don't remember doing any of that. It's, it's awful. It's just what it's like it, to me. Um, it's a, it's a, if you're if having a, a hangover and it's not a because of, you know, scotch or, or rye or or beer or martinis, but I mean, it's just a waste of a good hangover. You feel Isn't like it? now I'm wasting my life away. And I, I before I, I had an excuse, you know, I was drinking yeah. good, good, good stuff, but this is not good. This is just a bunch of, I mean, it's sugar, but it's sugar and a whole bunch of chemical crap. Yeah, but it tastes so good, doesn't it? It, it does. For, it does for a while. And then, like I say, you start suffering the effects and you don't want to, yeah. I mean, I think all of us go through, you know, like, like to me, I either got three boxes of ice cream in the mm. fridge at all times or none for two years. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's people cyclical. say moderation, you know, moderation is, uh, moderation everything but i'm just not a naturally uh i'm not wired moderate i'm either into something or i'm not yeah you me too about something or i'm not yeah me too i'm the same way and i'm the same way with tylenol or like advil i don't understand the people that are like no i'll just have the x i'll just have regular strength yeah. i want extra strength extra strength everything regular yeah. strength is for people that want it to hang around right. i'm like no i go right. all the way that's how i'm yeah. wired yeah <laughs> I even been like high test gas. I just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I'm going to violate the carbon rules here. <laughs> I like high Yeah, me test. too. I can't put regular in any of my cars, no. even the shitty ones. I'm like, no, no, it's. No, just give me, cream. give me the extra. <laughs> give me the juice. I want the juice. Uh, anyway, lots to get to today. Charles joins us from the Charles Adler podcast. Reprogrammed is what we do. We challenge our thinking, and there's lots of thinking to challenge today. We've seen a sea change in politics over the past little bit and a couple pieces of news that are barking at us today uh, that have some connections to some things that have been happening, not just in uh, Canada, but in North America. Uh, I want to start with Alexei Navalny. Alexei Navalny died uh, yesterday. News reports out of Russia, Siberia, is that he died of natural causes. <laughs> uh, he was the only uh, gentleman who was willing to take on the corruption in Russia, and he paid for it with his life. He survived multiple death, uh, uh, you know, assassination attempts, including when they tried to poison his underwear in a hotel room on a flight, and he almost died in Germany. And he stupidly, in my mind, I mean, he's a martyr now. He goes back to Russia, immediately sent to prison. A couple of years later, he is now dead. Yeah. And the outpouring of support there as we watch what Putin is doing around the world, not just to Ukraine, but what he's doing in the United States, what he's doing here in Canada. And I want your thoughts on Navalny's death, first of all. And then I kind of want to get to the extenuating thing, because, you know, for every single Canadian that has said Canada is a dictatorship and it is tyrannical and we have political prisoners. And I mean, come on, we just saw a tyrannical dictator murder. Uh, his political opponent. So much of the business about Canada being a dictatorship, Canada being a tyranny, uh, so much of that is coming from Russia. Russian bots, there are other bots as well, but so much of it is coming from Russia. Russia has been trying, Putin's Russia has been trying and succeeding uh, for many years in corrupting, brainwashing, if you will, Americans, Canadians, Brits, Germans, others. I mean, this is something they've been doing around the world. But you have to be brainwashed to think that Navalny was not murdered by the Putin regime. As uh, Dean said, they tried to poison him uh, several times and he had opportunities to live elsewhere. 
for whatever reason. I mean, I don't understand martyrdom. I'm not a, I'm not a good enough human being, I guess, to uh, plug into the idea of uh, martyrdom. He martyred himself. He knew that he was uh, taking a major risk by going back to Russia. He was nominally their opposition leader. He was able to turn out thousands and thousands of people in the streets because he called it like it was. You know, he said that uh, Putin was very much a dictator who was uh, murdering his opponents, uh, suppressing and repressing his opponents, and that he was uh, tied to oligarchs, uh, sometimes called uh, hoods, mobsters, um, people who control a great deal of wealth uh, in criminal ways, and that uh, Putin was one of the wealthiest uh, people in the world. Uh, most people who study this stuff do believe that. If Putin's not the wealthiest, he's among um, the wealthiest. He owns uh, dachas, uh, villas everywhere, all kinds of uh, property, access to billions and, and, and billions of dollars, regardless of how bad the, the Russian economy is. I mean, the only person who thinks the Russian economy is in good shape is Tucker Carlson. And he is one of those uh, people, uh, sometimes known as useful idiots, uh, in the West, meaning here in this part of the world, Western, uh, the Western world, uh, who praises uh, Putin constantly. Obviously, Trump uh, praises uh, Putin. Others do. Most of us don't really completely understand why, why people are so smitten by uh, a bad guy, a, a thug, a hood, someone who kills people like Alexei Navalny. But that's, uh, that's where it is. And uh, here in this country, uh, just dovetailing to politics here, I will never understand why the Conservative Party of Canada, which I identified with for most of my adult life and uh, certainly identified with it most closely here in Western Canada, I live on the prairie. Mm -hmm. And um, here on the prairie, I, many of my neighbors are, happen to be Ukrainian uh, Canadians. I'm from the country next door, from, from Hungary. Uh, it's been a natural for me to support Ukraine forever. Uh, and I'll always support Ukraine, and Ukraine is a democracy. That's the battleground for democracy right now. That's where uh, Putin has uh, invaded with, with his troops, um, it destroyed Ukrainian uh, cities, kidnapped children, uh, committed all kinds of uh, war crimes. Uh, and I, when I say all kinds, of about thousands of war crimes. More than 350,000 of his own troops have been killed. He doesn't even repatriate them. Uh, he, doesn't, he just leaves them on the battlefield uh, to rot. Uh, he's just a rotten guy. And for some reason, the Conservative Party of Canada decided very recently to vote against Ukrainian aid because of carbon taxes, because Ukraine has a, some sort of carbon tax and there's some sort of carbon tax associated with Anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's like listening listening to the Conservatives on this. is kind of like listening to Putin. You're not, you're not listening to anything that sounds real. But voting against aid to Ukraine, voting to, to keep them going is, is crazy. Uh, you know, I've said things along that line recently on Twitter since the death of Navalny, and I get blasted, I get uh, ratioed, torched, whatever you want to call it on Twitter by all these people who support the conservatives who accuse uh, Ukraine of being a Nazi state. In other words, they just repeat the same nonsense that, that, that Putin repeats. Do I totally understand why Putin has such a hold on many members of the right in Canada, the United States, and elsewhere? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's rational. But many of these people see Putin as um, for freedom, as crazy as that may sound. They they see Putin as this um, this bulwark of, of of Christian nationalism. The idea of Putin being a Christian is is absolutely ridiculous. Defensive. Jesus Jesus is is laughing somewhere at that or crying. Mm -hmm. um, so once again, I, I don't mean to sound like I've got a tough time understanding how people can side with a dictator. But I do, and I probably never want to be someone who has an easy time 
understanding. I was, you know, I was born in a, a Soviet uh, puppet state. I was born in Hungary. I'm a refugee from communism. You know, I was uh, alive in, in Hungary when Soviet tanks, Putin's people were literally uh, crushing uh, the uprising, crushing uh, the revolution, crushing the freedom fighters, crushing my neighbors. I mean, it doesn't, I don't, I don't need to, you know, read uh, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the London Times to, to figure out what communism is, to figure out what a dictatorship is. And when I'm told that my country, Canada, the Adler family promised land, when I'm told that this is a dictatorship, but, but Russia is about freedom, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say, honest to God, to, and 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 keep it clean because it just uh, it just brings out uh, the worst in me, and I don't want you know I don't want to I don't want to sit here with that anger look uh, on on my face, but my uh, my former friends among uh, the conservatives on this one are are making me angry. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at FactCheck.io. FactCheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at Fact Check are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. Mm. Yeah, they should. Yeah, let's get to your tweet. I brought it up today. This is from Charles Adler's account. You can download Charles's podcast anywhere you get your fine podcast. He just put out a banger with Warren Kinsella, which kind of talks about this. I hate to make you talk about it twice in one day, but different audience. And you're the guy that I think everybody should talk to about this. But you put this tweet out. Message to Canadian conservative friends. To your point, if you insist on resisting aid to Ukraine in the name of fighting carbon taxes, you're disgracing yourselves as Canadians and joining Putin's expanding core of useful idiots in the name of Navalny. Become useful to Canadian democracy. That is now a viral tweet. And um, not many people have the perspective, the history, and of course, the lineage that you have to be able to talk about this thing. But to your point, these are your conservative, uh, former conservative battery mates. Oh. Uh, you've watched your party kind of disintegrate into a party of uh, really pro authoritarian talking points, gaslighting, lying, so that they can, you know, somehow side with an ideology. And that ideology is shared by Russia, shared by Putin, as you pointed out, with the Ukraine thing. And I don't know if it's me. And I, I wonder if you ask yourself this question, because you see a lot of younger people supporting you, uh, not Ukraine, supporting uh, Russia. They believe the lie, bioweapons, blah, 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 blah. Um, has Putin and has MAGA, Maple MAGA for the long longest part, have they just done a really good job of turning 
American conservatives, Canadian conservatives, some of the more extreme theocratic conservatives in both the United States and Canada into useful idiots? Or have they had some help with the GOP and the conservative party? Do you think, and this is my question, do you think Pierre Polyev and Canada's conservative party are useful idiots? Or do you think there are threads that are shared between the conservative party in this country, the GOP in the United States, and maybe the Russian government to some extent? Well, I, you know, there, there's an old expression in the Middle East, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And I gather that uh, like, like Putin's uh, Russia is as homophobic as it gets. You know, there are people uh, in Putin's uh, core who say that there, there's no such thing as a gay person in, in Russia. So that's a big thing. I mean, they plug into social conservatism in the United States and Canada. They plug in with that. Uh, you know, they're the, the people who are the most anti-woke, if you will. And just so everyone's clear, that much of the woke stuff, he, she, me, we, you know, don't don't say he or she, say they, much of that annoys the hell out of me. I, I don't. I don't, I don't call it evil or dangerous or a plot or a conspiracy. But no, <laughs> yeah, some of the woke stuff annoys me. But uh, the uh, the people who support Putin have turned the woke stuff into their their Satan, their devil, and uh, and and Putin is on their side in fighting uh, wokeism, if you will. Uh, there there are people who are um, Islamophobic. I mean, they 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 hate they hate Muslims and. And, and Putin is, is, is with them on that, uh, even though many of the people he's using, uh, you know, who are from the various Russian republics, many of the people he's using is cannon fodder, sending into uh, a battle in, in Ukraine, if you can call it a battle. It's, it's a wipeout uh, on any given day. It's just a, um, anyway, what, 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 what Putin is using in many cases happen to be Russians, they're technically Russians. They're, uh, Russia's got many, many republics. It's this enormous country. And many of them are coming from the outskirts of the country, the far reaches of the country, and they happen to be Muslim. Uh, but, but there are many people who are, you know, anti-gay, anti-Muslim, anti-modern woman, modern woman defined as a woman who has a job or maybe a senior job that has busted through the the glass ceiling. I mean, there are all kinds of people that um, some ultra, ultra conservatives don't like. They don't like the way the world has gone. And they, they relate to, to Putin, who stands for, I guess, the, the, the so-called good old days. Uh, just the, 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 the problem with, with all of this is if any of these conservatives want to visit Russia and see how the Russians live and see their, their horrible standard of living, I, I don't know how they can do that and still end up supporting Putin. But Ideology is is poison, and it poisons everything. And uh, once again, it's not that I, I'm, I'm not pretending to be stupid. Uh, I'm not a stupid person. I'm an educated person. But no amount of education can make me understand why a person living in a free country like the United States or Canada can support Putin. I mean, wh why do people think all those millions of Russians over the years have left Russia? I'm blowing this pop stand. I'm getting out of this fire trap. And they come to Canada or the United States or Britain or Israel or wherever. I mean, that the, the reason Russia exports more people than it does wheat or oil or gas is because the place is shit horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, it works for Putin and his, his fellow plutocrats. You know, they, they plunder Russia every minute of every day. So they, they, they enjoy a great deal of wealth. 
but very few other people do. How, how is it that, because uh, I find this, I, I go, we'll go back to the useful idiot thing and, you know, you're plugging into certain lobby groups, certain social movements. You know, we watched it with the convoy. We know that was heavily covered in RT. Um, and I know there are people that share ideologies, whether it be that extremist Christian nationalist ideology, which Vladimir Putin says he's fighting for. Right. And to your point, I need to know how it's been so effective because I don't I understand like to me, it's like there's no way social media just on its own did this. There's no way. And there's a great example of it. And I want to bring it up. And I want to play it for you. OK, there's, there's a family of 10 with eight children. Have you heard this story? I think I shared the tweet a little, a little bit, but I, I, I think it's I think it's something we need to share more. Often. Yeah, I want to play this video. I played it yesterday in the podcast. And I and to me, this is the end result of all of that on a human level. Like there's a geopolitical issue, uh, but there's a human issue, right? When a group of people, a family of 10 with eight children decide they need to move to Russia out of Canada because they're afraid for their lives in in Canada because it's just too gay. They don't want their kids to be gay. They're afraid of that. They're afraid of the woke and the leftism. And this is the pounding message of Pierre Polyev. Let me just remind you, this is the tidal wave of messaging. And it comes from one place and one place only when you decide, guess we got to go to the motherland. That would be Russia. This is a Ukrainian porter delivering, reporter delivering that news story. I'm going to play it for you. It's three minutes long. But again, this is the end result of what you're talking about. Not just useful idiots, but the end result of the useful idiots passing on that message, or in some case, complicit idiots who are happy to pass on that message like Pierre Polyev because he knows what's in it for him. This family is now destitute. Watch this. Today, let's talk about a Canadian family that has eight children that sold everything they had in Canada and moved to Russia. The Arendt Feistry family, I'm hope I pronounced that correctly, moved to Nizhny Novgorod region of the Russian Federation a month ago from Canada to raise their eight children in the spirit of orthodox values away from the LGBTQ plus community. Well, Canada is not the same country it used to be, and we didn't feel safe for our children there in the future anymore. There's a lot of uh, left, left-wing ideology, LGBTQ, trans, um, just a lot of things that we don't agree with that they teach there now, and we wanted to get away from that for our children. Also, for economic reasons, for farming, better opportunities, uh, we felt Russia was best. Uh, Russia also has uh, the strength to stand up against Western pressures, and um, yeah, I, I think it'll stand on its own, and it'll keep that stuff away for many, many, many years. Other countries are under the Western influence, and... Uh, wouldn't be able to stand up against it, I don't think. So, Why Nizhny Novgorod? It, it looks a lot like where we're from. It's got a similar climate, uh, lots of land, lots of opportunities, and the government is interested or tells us that they are very interested in uh, working with Western farmers and helping us to get established here. Today, the family's accounts have been blocked. They have nothing to live on. And Feistre's wife has already declared her disappointment with Russia. Russian Federation regional media reported. It is reported that the family moved to Russia to farm. Feinstra believes that there is a lot of good, cheap land here. In Canada, the family sold real estate and transferred the funds to 
a Russian account. The bank found the transfer suspicious as the Canadians were unable to justify the origin of the large sum in time and it blocked their accounts. In addition, few bank and government employees understand English well. Canadians have to communicate with them through machine translation, which complicates the process. Now the family has nothing to buy groceries with. Aaron's shared the details on his blog. He is still hoping to settle the matter, hoping that a workaround can be found to unblock the account. At the same time, in the comments, he is told that it is unlikely that he will succeed and it is more likely that he will be recognized as a foreign agent. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. .io. Back to the show. It's a family of 10. Chuck, your thoughts? Well, these people have been brainwashed, obviously, and they've been brainwashed by some of the best in the business of brainwashing, and uh, they are now victims. They're not victims of liberalism or the LGBTQ community or, or Justin Trudeau. They're victims of Russian propaganda and and I, I, I sit here and I look at all this stuff and I go, you, you have to be brainwashed or you have to have some sort of psychological disorder uh, to be open to this stuff. And uh, it just blows my mind that any Canadian family could actually think that they're going to have a better life in Russia. This family has found out the, the hard way that that's never been true mm. and it's not true today. Mm. Um, I know it's Russian propaganda, Chuck. But entertain me for just one second. It's not just Russian propaganda, right? Well, that's, I mean, you've got people on the right. You've got people on the right in, the, in Canada, the United States, around the world, including many Canadian conservatives who hold yeah. the, the hands of, of Putin and support Russian propaganda. You don't, yeah. you, know, you don't have to put a gun to my head. I mean, that's as, that's as clear as day. That, that's true. I'm, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed to say so because I'm embarrassed uh, that, that so many of my, my, my former teammates are into this stuff. It's just, it's, just, uh, it's ridiculous. I, I would say that the number one reason why I identified as being conservative for so many years, whether I was living in the States or Canada, had to do with anti-communism. You know, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev. That was my team. Uh, proud of Reagan, always was proud of Reagan for many things he did, but especially that. And I viewed conservatives on this side as being the closest to, to that side. So I, I don't understand, you know, you, today you've got the leader of the, the conservative movement in North America, that would be Donald Trump. And Donald Trump says things like, uh, well, if, if you don't pay me, if you, you Poland, if you, uh, you know, Netherlands, if you, uh, you know, you're a member of NATO, whoever you are, you know, Belgium, France, Canada, I guess. Yeah, Canada's part of NATO. If, you, if you're not paying the freight, if you're not paying what I want you to pay, which is 2% of GDP, that includes Canada. We're not paying 
two percent of our GDP into defense. So if, you, if you're not if you're not paying that freight, you know, I hope to, uh, Putin does whatever the hell he wants with you. Essentially saying that you know, as far as he's concerned, he wants he is the leader of NATO. The United States can give uh, Putin a green light to to invade Canada. I know that sounds sick. It is sick. It's the sickest thing I've ever heard. And I don't know how any Canadian conservative can support Donald Trump when he says that and a number of other things. How, how, how can they? How can, you know, you, 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 you talk about your disgust with the conservative party. They used to be your people. Uh, they voted against a Ukraine aid bill the other day, which is a vote for Vladimir Putin. They repeat all of those anti-LGBTQ talking points. They call it a woke gender ideology. They tell it. They tell people that the, the schools are coming for your children, the trans people are coming for your children. I mean, that is your old party. That is a conservative party. And they support they support Donald Trump, and they support yep. all these governors. Yep. If you listen to Danielle Smith, you know, she supports uh, the, the governor of South Dakota and the governor of Florida and all the other so-called MAGA governors or governors who are on the same side as uh, Trump and, and, and all of this stuff. There was a, a time when uh, Danielle Smith was actually uh, uh, supporting, uh, you know, Putin specifically, saying that the reason he invaded uh, Ukraine is because uh, Ukraine's got these nuclear missiles, which hey, they, Ukraine hasn't had uh, for decades. They unilaterally disarmed. Um, and, 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 and this business of, uh, you know, Ukraine being this so-called Nazi state, this Nazi state that uh, has a president who's Jewish, um, it's all ridiculous. But, but Danielle Smith and, and others in the conservative movement have bent over backwards uh, to support uh, Putin against Ukraine. Now, Danielle Smith has walked a lot of this stuff back. A lot of people walk stuff back. I sometimes say that there aren't enough Zambonis in Canada to to clean up after so much of the nonsense that is said. Is some nonsense being said by liberals on a whole score of issues? Yeah, absolutely. But if we're talking about this stuff, this, this uh, worldwide uh, authoritarian impulse paid for, uh, sponsored, uh, by Putin and his useful idiots in Canada, America, and around the world. I mean, this is a, a very, very serious threat to real freedom. It's a serious threat to our democracy. And uh, the death of Alexei Navalny should be a wake-up call to everybody around the world as to who Putin is and what he's about. Mm -hmm. And if he's willing to do it to his own people, I guarantee he's willing to do it to the Canadian people and the yeah. American people and free peoples around the world. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, back to that in Canada, we've heard the word tyranny and dictator for a long period of time from the same people that support Pierre Polyev, same people that are supporting Russia against Ukraine, same people who buy the biolab stuff, same people who think he's just there to clean up all the Nazis down in Ukraine. I wanted to show you a video today. These are people that are trying to lay flowers uh, after at a, at a memorial for Navalny in Russia. Um, you, you don't need to listen to the audio. You just need to watch the video. It's fascinating. These are people that are just showing up to pay their respects. They're playing flowers. They're all getting arrested for paying respects to Vladimir Putin's only political po opponent of note, right? He died. Vladimir Putin had him murdered today in a Siberian prison of natural causes at the age of 47. Now, there are Canadians who are going to vote for Pierre Polyev who are rejoicing today because they think that this is a good thing and they think Canada is a dictatorial mess and they think it's tyrannical here. And I can't square that. I cannot square that outside of disinformation, misinformation and pure lies and the hat tip or the nod to 
uh, authoritarianism by the Conservative Party of Canada, which I call Maple Maga. It's pejorative, I know, uh, and it's intended to be. Same thing with Maga Nation. I mean, we're seeing the brazen to that point, not just these arrests. We're seeing the brazen attempt by people like Tucker Carlson, who went, I'm going to play another video, who went to Russia to interview Putin, spent a few days there doing a little content and talked about how much better groceries were in Russia and that he was being radicalized by Russia to hate his own country and effectively democracy. Watch this. I went from amused to legitimately angry. Um, so we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody hears from the United States by the groceries, and we didn't pay any attention to costs as we were just putting in the car what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. And that's when you start to realize that ideology maybe doesn't matter as much as you thought, corruption. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, and they literally can't buy the groceries they want, at that point, maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person. You're wrecking people's lives in their country, and that's what our leaders have done to us. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. We're not making any of this up, by the way, at all. I mean, we're not making this up, by the way. I mean, they're, they're, even on Twitter, which he's on, or X, yeah, yeah, yeah. the community notes, which means people who work for Twitter had to point out that what, although he's, he's saying he's not making this up, they're saying he is making it up because they're pointing out that the average Russian is making a less than $1,000 US a month. Seven ninety one a month. Yeah, so less than $800 a month. So it works out to about maybe $1,000 Canadian a month. So, I mean, what difference does it make if, if your groceries are technically cheaper when you don't have any money to buy anything, including groceries? I mean, even the grocery store that Tucker is in, there are there are not many people in there. Nope. You know? <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you tell lie after lie and you say while you're telling lies like many liars, by the way, I'm not lying. I mean, how many people do you know who are honest people who say, by the way, I'm not lying to you. By the way, I'm an honest person. You know, honest people don't say things like that. Yeah, but there you go. They don't, that, they that, don't that, prefix or suffix a, a statement yeah. with "I swear to God, this is true." If it's true, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but I just want to say something here about people who vote uh, conservative, and it's not to be an apologist, just to be realistic. Many people who tell the pollsters they want to vote conservative aren't, aren't doing it because they love Putin, aren't doing it because they're 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 homophobes and transphobes and phobes and normal people. They 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 want change, just as normal people in Canada want change about every ten years. Uh, almost no matter what part of Canada they're in, that's kind of how we are. Uh, we, we we take a party, give it to two or three terms, and then we put them in the penalty box for a while. And most people who want to vote conservative want to vote conservative for that reason. Most people who vote conservative aren't paying attention to information, disinformation, misinformation, uh, right-wing propaganda, Putin, whatever. That's, most, most Canadians just want to live their lives. And yeah, every now and then they want to vote for change. Naturally, when they see you know, a bucket of raspberries or strawberries cost three times more than they think it should based on what, what those things cost 10 years ago. It doesn't matter whether it's the price of gas, the price of their home heating bill, uh, the price of rent, uh, the price of a mortgage, whatever it is, people in, in Canada are feeling frustrated. No, we're doing not as badly as the Russians. We've always done better than the Russians, but that's not the standard. People's standard are 
people's standard is Canada. How was I doing five years ago? How was I doing 10 years ago? How am I doing now? And many people who are very, very frustrated for all the right reasons uh, want to vote for change. So I just don't want to create the impression, at least, uh, you know, from my perspective, Dean, you think and say anything you want. I'm not uh, saying that the disinformation isn't real and I'm not saying it's, it isn't serious. But most of the impulse uh, to vote out the, uh, the incumbent, in this case, uh, the liberals, most of that impulse isn't because of brainwashing and disinformation. It's simply frustration with, with, with life today in Canada. Yeah, I, and, and uh, you and I had a quick conversation on the phone today. We were talking about, you know, the rise of Pierre Polyev. I think the last poll had him up 19 points, which, you know, if, if you know anything about polls, you know, none of them really matter until until Election Day. That's the poll. However, it is concerning for anybody that has a, that has an issue with his misogyny in press conference, his, his, his authoritarian talking points, his gaslighting of an entire community, his destruction of teachers, his idea that, uh, you know, anything, uh, anything that you don't like is Trudeau's fault, all that other stuff. It's my point is it's working, right? Whatever yeah, it is, no, whatever help he's getting is working. The, the conservatives, you know, I, 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 I will, you know, c- criticize where it's warranted. There's lots of criticism that's warranted, but I will not criticize them for uh, being out-messaged by the liberals. The conservatives have been very disciplined about their messaging. They know who they're after. They know who to target. They know how to do it. It's a very sophisticated, well-financed, well-lubricated machine. And uh, in the polls at the moment, they're ahead. And one can say that the polls don't matter because the election isn't today. And one always can say that. But the trend is a friend to the conservatives. The trend is not a friend uh, for the liberals. And so you have a, a situation where I do believe if there was an election today that the conservatives would win uh, and they, they would probably win a majority. Now, of course, campaigns matter and the campaign hasn't really begun yet. And some people say that every day is a campaign day. To some extent, that's true, but largely not. Uh, the campaign will begin in the spring or fall of next year. We'll see what happens. Uh, the, the odds right now are against uh, Trudeau for many reasons, most of them having to do with the economy. Some of it, some of it is because of a very tanked up, uh, strong uh, conservative base that believes many of the things that Dean and I have been talking about in the last uh, 10 and 15 minutes. Mm, yeah. Um, and and that brings me to my next point. Uh, you know, even with a lead, we have seen Pierre Polyev largely go unchallenged in the media. He's been allowed to kind of you know, recite his gaslighting and his talking points. And uh, he's been allowed to chirp at people. He's been allowed to shit on reporters. He's been allowed to do really run amok. I mean, his media plan is we're not we're going to we're going to debase the reputation of media. We're going to anytime someone asks me a question about accountability, I'm going to put it back on them. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions and blame Trudeau. We've seen it happen largely over the past couple of years during this eternal campaign, which has been ridiculous in itself. Um, we've seen him go on challenge. In the past two, three weeks, I have seen some Herculean journalism. I've seen people literally go back at him. I've seen uh, reporters literally hold his feet to the fire, and he has collapsed every single time. I've also seen certain publications that you would think would be friendly to him start to say, hey, uh, we need to start ringing the bell. And you're starting to see some of his lies get churned up. The Toronto Star did a big article on him claiming that you know 40 people got arrested 6,000 times in a row, and that's Justin Trudeau's fault. All the numbers were a joke. He baked them all, and he was called out there. He was called out in public when he was trying to tell everybody that, uh, yeah, I can't even remember what the actual gist was, to be honest with you, 
but he had a big scrum with reporters, uh, I think about a week ago, where he was going back at it, and they summarily tanked him and refused to allow him to change the subject. And that was the first time I've seen that in no. maybe ever. Um, why are we seeing this? Because they let him go. Like certain publications, news outlets, reporters mm-hmm. let him go. They, they did a kind of an a la carte thing for his appearances where they would pretend to do press conferences. They give favorable questions to friendly fake outlets like Rebel News, et cetera, et cetera. That's my opinion. Um, but why are we seeing people push back now? Are we are we seeing kind of, you know, Democratic Canada look at the tea leaves, look at what's going on over in Russia, kind of connect the dots and go, hang on a second. This guy might win. And he's repeating a lot of the same shit that we don't like from authoritarian countries. And he might be in for a long time. Well, reporters have become a little more aggressive, but not nearly as aggressive as, uh, as I would be. I mean, if I'm an accredited reporter among the national press, it's not everybody's allowed to be a reporter. Not everyone is allowed to be at those so-called news conferences or scrums. So if I'm an accredited reporter and Polyev doesn't like my question, and he says, who are you? Who are you with? I mean, I, I would just respond with, I'm an accredited reporter. Who are you with? Who are you with, Hoss? What are you doing? You're asking me questions? I'm paid to ask you questions. That's how democracy works. Do you not believe in democracy? Have you got a problem with democracy? We've got a news conference going on right now. Talk to me, chum. Talk to me. Now, nobody nobody is treating Paulie of that way. That's how I would treat him because it's ridiculous. He is a ridiculous figure. And this is not me speaking as a, a flaming liberal this is me speaking as a core conservative. That's what I've been all my life. Mulroney never spoke to the media that way. Aaron O'Toole never spoke to the media that way. Stephen Harper never had. Stephen Harper had no love for the media, but he didn't make a fool of himself. He wasn't a ridiculous character going, who are you? You're being paid by Justin Trudeau to say this. Here's what I want you to tell Justin Trudeau. That's nonsense. I mean, and, and, and someday reporters, I think, if they don't say that to him directly, they will find venues like this to say it. They'll be on TV. They'll be on radio. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how many times Pierre Paul. Oh, you're you're being paid by Justin Trudeau. It's pips. That's pipsqueak stuff. Nobody's nobody's putting money in my pocket right now to to speak as a free man. I'm a free man in my promised land called Canada, which is not a dictatorship. No matter how much Pierre Pauly might want it to be. And I've never said that before about any conservative leader or liberal leader or anybody. But I mean, you know, after a while, all of this pro-Putin junk and all of this, who are you? Who are you? Why are you here? Why don't you answer my questions? This is this is like a terrible impersonation of Vladimir Putin that he's doing. And I, I honestly do not know how much of this stuff he's doing, how much of it he believes. But he's certainly nothing that I would vote for. I wouldn't vote for a Putin wannabe. I wouldn't vote for Putin. And I wouldn't vote for someone who is licking his boots. And I wouldn't vote for someone who's doing a bad impersonation of him. Mm. Yeah, but, 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 you know, somewhere, somehow, you know, you talk about certain conservatives that, that don't buy the Putin messaging, that aren't pro-Russia, that are just conservatives that are going to vote conservative anyway, right? Somehow, that doesn't matter to them? Or is that well, what you're well, telling well, me? According what, to the polls, that doesn't matter to them? I, don't, I know many people, like I say, I live on the prairie. I know many people in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, you know, and I know many people in other parts of the country, but I'm just sp- speaking of people in Western Canada. Where Do you I know anybody in PEI, though? There's a question. No, no. But most people I know, Western Canada, vote conservative. Yeah. That's what they vote for. 
And none of them are talking this way. None of them are saying, Chuck, are you being paid by Trudeau? Yeah, but do they not understand that he's repeating those talking points of a of a genocidal dictator? They pay very little attention to Polya. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't like the liberals. They don't like Trudeau, and they're going to vote conservative. That's that's how they are. Do you know how stupid I find that? It's well, you you can you can call it stupid. You can call it anything you like. Look, there are about thirty battleground ridings in Canada, somewhere between thirty and forty, depending on how you slice it and dice it. Which means that more than 300, approximately 300 seats in Canada are not up for grabs. Media, sometimes different media because they want everyone to feel equal, cover these things as if they're equals, but they're not. In about 300 Canadian writings, everyone knows today, tomorrow, and the next day how they're going to vote because they vote the same way all the time. There are writings that are always blue. There are writings that are always red. There are some writings in the country that are, you know, NDP writings that are always orange in Quebec. You've got some writings that are always black Quebecois. So somewhere between 30 and 40 writings are battlegrounds. That, that's where the real battle is, is fought. That's where they've got the so-called swing voters, people who aren't committed to the blue door or the red door or the orange door. Okay. And, uh, and that's where the fight is. But in most of these other places, people vote the same way all the time it doesn't matter whether the leader is Pierre Polyev or Andrew Scheer or, 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 or Brian Mulroney or whoever. They, they, they vote blue. And they vote blue mainly because they don't want to vote red or orange. You can, you can call it all kinds of things. I just call it Canada. I know you do, and I appreciate the democratic tone in your voice. I really, I really do. Oh, I'm, a, like, I'm, a, I'm for Canadian democracy. I I'm not for disparaging the Canadian people. I'm not for trashing them. Well, one of the reasons that they, they are relatively predictable is because politics, from their point of view, has not impacted their lives to such an extent that they're overly concerned about it. Now, maybe mm -hmm. if we had a Putin-esque government, they'd get very, very concerned about it. But at the, at the moment... For many of these people, it's just politics. And for most of them, they don't really think about the election until a couple of weeks before the vote. It's not that big a deal. Politics is not that big a deal. And you can, you can follow the ratings all you like. Look, look, look at the shows that uh, do well. Look, look at just regular TV. Yeah, ninety percent of people, ninety percent of the time, aren't watching any of the news shows. No, and you know what? You analytically, you can arrow that down. We had a meeting the other day. We were talking about content that does well and that people pay for, right? The digital media world. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, you got to pivot into uh, high high revenue, high niche areas, and news is at the fucking bottom. Pardon my yeah. language. News yeah. is at the bottom. You know why? Because of fatigue and because people don't want to hear it. And the other thing is, is that, and you know this. There are certain political institutions and ideology that do not want people informed as to what the intentions of certain people are, as long as those people get to do whatever they want to do and that those people can represent them in some capacity. So that's the question I have for you today as we end this podcast and as we're going to put a bow on it. And I want to put a bow on it with a hypothetical. And the hypothetical is an interesting hypothetical because I want you to live in a Pierre Polyev run country. Right. Um, knowing what you know about him, knowing what you know about the party. Knowing that you were a card-carrying member at, at the core, no, you I are conservative. I wasn't card-carrying. Okay, sorry, pardon was, me, card-carrying. No, I, I was supportive, but I wasn't card-carrying. Okay. No. But but conservative to the core. You've watched the change. You've yeah. seen the talking points. You you understand who the people are and their values. Yeah. Is Charles Adler concerned about a Canada that is run by this man and yes. this party? 
Yeah, I, I am. I'm. I'm very concerned. The, these guys, in my mind, are not conservative. These my, guys, in my mind, are radical. When Tucker Carlson says he, he went to the supermarket in Russia and got radicalized, I have no idea whether he's just got some financial incentive to say that. I don't know that he does. Uh, I don't think he's crazy. It's he sounds crazy. But I've met many people in my life over the years who haven't been born crazy. They've had very fine minds, but they have been indoctrinated, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think that many of uh, today's Canadian conservatives have been brainwashed. And I'm not saying that, the, you know, some Russian took them out in the middle of the night into a laboratory and stuck electrodes on them. They just exposed themselves to a lot of this uh, propaganda and they believe it. And I'd rather not have a country governed by people like that. I'd rather have a country governed by traditional conservatives who I have had no trouble supporting. But these aren't traditional conservatives. These are radicals. I don't trust them, and I don't wish them well. Mm. Well, um, I'd like to know what Canada looks like after a PR. It's, it's funny. I wish we could kind of get in a time machine and go ahead like four or five years and just go, okay, what would this place look like with a Pierre Polyev government or a conservative government? Because I don't trust any of them either. I don't trust the duplicity. I've watched the lies. They're now getting debunked in real time. We've got a year, year and a half as we lead up to an election. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and here's the thing. For the first time in my life, in my 51 years, as a very proud Canadian citizen and someone who did immigrate here for a better life, which is why I do love this country, because it's given my family, your family, all of our families an opportunity to live a pretty incredible life. So I'm used to living on this beautiful land. I really am. So my concern, and, and, and you never want to gaslight yourself while the other team's gaslighting you, you know, like, oh, this is a, this is a terrible society. You're all going to die if you go through another Justin Trudeau administration. Like, it's that thing. But, like, I think it would be a terrible society if that man, that man who has done nothing but tell people they should be angry and everything's going to be terrible unless they give him the keys to the kingdom, that man who has chastised, that man who has marginalized trans and LGBTQ people, teachers, the labor force in this country, um, that man that that legitimately his company pays people that government, this, this party pays third party agencies to ruin the reputations, not just of regular citizens, but of their opponents with not just lies, disinformation to a purpose. I am concerned because I see the way he acts as well as a petulant child in the moment when he's challenged that man on the world stage, Chuck scares the shit out of me because he can't, keep it together emotionally either not only is he a bad person in my opinion not only is he duplicitous but he's hair trigger and if there's one thing i know about leadership is that that is the one thing anybody in a leader if you have that character trait that character flaw that emotional hair trigger that anger that inability to control yourself and do what's best for your citizenship for the country with that kind of power that scares the shit out of me, dude. And so the pasteurized, sanitized version of what uh, my friend Dean Blundell just said is that Pierre Polyev may be temperamentally unsuited for high office. <laughs> Thank you. Pardon me for putting lipstick on the pig. <laughs> I love, no, I, I, I love I, the I country. Appreciate... I, don't, I really don't want to believe that we're off the rails, but we've got some problems. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for backing it off. Doesn't sound so fatal when you say it in a much nicer Temperamentally way. Temperamentally unfit. <laughs> 
Charles Adler is his name. He is the voice of media in this country. He is a legend. He is my friend. He is my mentor. His podcast is called the Charles Adler Podcast. Uh, and his latest episode with Warren Kinsella is absolutely brilliant. It's some of the best back and forth between two of the most knowledgeable guys on not just this subject, uh, what went on and is still going on between Israel and Hamas. You covered that and had a couple of great laughs in there as well today. So I highly encourage you to go download that. Give Chuck and Warren a follow on Twitter too. Give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a follow on YouTube, Cryer Media, as well as Dean Blundell Show. Charles Adler, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my friend and yours, the voice of a nation. Thanks for make. Thanks for putting lipstick on my pig. I really appreciate I it. Love, I love pigs. I love lipstick. <laughs> what I do love is I love the people of this country, no matter what part of the country that you live in. I love Canada. I can't thank Canada enough for giving meaning uh, to my life. And I promise you, Canadians, you will never need a thousand Zambonis to clean up after me. <laughs> uh, I can't say the same for me, but thank you very much. My name is Dean. I'm Charles Adler. Have a great day, everybody. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel begins Friday, September 23rd. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.